we prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. We are the orphans of the American dream. Welcome to episode 58 of the Orphans of the American Dream podcast. I am your heavy-hearted Sasquatch. Tommy and Justin are off this week. Unfortunately, um, a week ago, Thursday, today's Thursday for me recording, Tom's mom, Jaylen, untimely and suddenly passed away. Um, so they're off. You know, going through the grieving process. Um, the services, the visitation was last Sunday, and the the funeral service was Monday. Um, I'm here because there's so much news to cover, which doesn't seem as important as, you know, everything else going on right now. But you guys that do listen to us, I feel the need to... Uh, Give it, give you, give you what you need. Um, Justin and Tom have been friends a lot longer than with each other than I have with both of them. I've known them for a long time, just weren't as close up until you know the last couple years. Um, Jalen was uh, like a second mom to Justin, so they're both uh, you know going through the grieving process, trying to reacclimate themselves to. Uh, everything so I want to take a moment of silence here for Jalen um, if you guys could when you're joining me or anytime after um, send Justin and Tom and Tom's family um, with pray- say a prayer for them send them good vibes keep them in your thoughts um, so let's take that moment of silence Rest in peace, Mama Lynch. Okay, now that the heavy's out of the way, we're going to get into the political heavy. Um, today is June 6th. When you listen to it, it won't be. Obviously, I say that. I need to stop saying it. You guys know that we don't do this live. Um, so, what is June 6th, you ask? It's D-Day. And this year happened to be the 70, 75th anniversary of D-Day. The men that did that great service to our country on that day deserve all the adoration and love from us. I can't even imagine if the youth of today some of them at least, had to do what those men did. It's just, it's unspeakable. Those are some, that there's a reason that they call that the, gen, the greatest generation. I mean, they were kids. You've got 17, 18, 19-year-olds. They were told to storm that beach and uh, take out the Nazis. And they did, because they had a sense of patriotism. A deep sense of patriotism. They did it for the whole world. Um, President Trump, is uh, his speech today, no politics, no bullshit, was one of the, the best things I've ever heard. It was a great memorial to those men. Um, I'm going to play a little news piece from it. You'll hear a little bit from him. Um, So, for your listening pleasure. Dawn on Omaha Beach. Among the crowd, American D-Day veterans 
who stormed these beaches 75 years ago and witnessed thousands of their comrades fall in battle. Many are buried at the US military cemetery above the beach. US President Donald Trump and French President Emmanuel Macron arrived here to sunlit skies. In the front row, the veterans were given repeated ovations. The French president spoke first. We know what we owe to you veterans, our freedom. On behalf of my nation, I just want to say thank you. He went on to speak pointedly of the alliance between nations underpinning victory and freedom. The United States of America, dear President Trump, is never so great as when it fights for the freedom of others. President Trump continued the tribute to the fallen and to the veterans like Russell Pickett. Pickett spoke to VOA earlier this week at Omaha Beach, describing the emotional and mental scars that still endure from D-Day. The US leader paid this tribute Thursday. Russell Pickett is the last known survivor of the legendary Company A. And today, believe it or not, he has returned once more to these shores to be with his comrades. Private Pickett, you honor us all with your presence. President Trump also spoke of the shared sacrifice. Our cherished alliance was forged in the heat of battle, tested in the trials of war, and proven in the blessings of peace. Our bond is unbreakable. General Dwight Eisenhower was the supreme commander of Allied Expeditionary Forces on D-Day. That post, now known as Supreme Allied Commander Europe, is currently held by General Todd Walters. Despite transatlantic political tensions, he said the alliance with Europe is in good health. Take a look at what took place on Utah Beach, the, the cooperation between multiple nations, multiple domains. And all you have to do is put your feet on the sands and you get a deep appreciation for how powerful the alliance is and, and at the importance of keeping that alliance together. And today I feel very, very confident that the alliance is as strong as it's ever been. European leaders have repeatedly praised America's sacrifice, hoping to underline to President Trump the importance of the transatlantic bond. Nowhere is the historic alliance between America and Europe felt as strongly as in these military cemeteries, where lie the bodies of tens of thousands of soldiers who gave up their lives for freedom. And that they did. I'm not wearing a hat right now, but if I did, I'd tip it to you. Um, that is the greatest generation. Both, all of my grandparents were part of that generation. My grandpa Wade was a, uh, a coder, a decoder. He was in France. He wasn't part of D-Day. He was after that. But, you know, sense of pride. Sense of uh, country and duty. It's a good thing um, for some of these, probably all of those veterans that were sitting on that stage over there in France. Um, it's probably going to be the last time that they get to visit that memorial and to visit that place. Um, and I just want to say thank you to all veterans, but specifically the World War II veterans and all those that have had to lay down their lives over there for her. The freedoms that we have today, the freedoms for me to uh, do this podcast, to go and work and not have to worry about, you know, tyranny. I mean, we have tyranny, but we don't have tyranny like that. We don't have a crazy dictator, fascist, crazy person like Adolf Hitler threatening to take over everything. We live in the greatest country in the world because of the greatest generation. So, take some time and reflect on that. Thank you to all of our World War II veterans. All right, guys. The heavy will continue. Um, 
Illinois is going down the shitter. Some good, some bad happened over the weekend. A lot of bad, some good, some indifferent. Um, But the audacity of these legislatures and our executive governor, B.J. Pritzker, and I say B.J., not J.B., because he should have been a B.J., get ready to have less of your money. With all the things that passed, we're in some for some tough times here in Illinois if we choose to stay. And it's up to you if you want to stay. Um, definitely some... Some good, some bad, and some ugly with the Illinois news. Um, I guess we could start with some good, I guess. You know, the uh, Illinois legalized recreational marijuana use. I mean, if that's your thing, um, it's not personally mine. Makes me go to sleep just a little bit of it. I don't really care to take the time to build up a tolerance to it. But it does help a lot of people. And I'll tell you this, I would rather have somebody, even though it's not legal to, but people do it anyway, I would rather have somebody be high on pot, smoke a joint, and drive a car. Because you know the vast majority of people that are doing that will either have anxiety or... They'll be driving real slow. You know, you you get a 12-pack of Budweiser into somebody and he sees his woman at the bar talking to some other dude. He's going to get pissed off and he's going to go through the roof. Alcohol's a blood thinner. Um, There are strands of marijuana that, you know, give you a boost. But by and large, it's definitely a downer. You slow down. Things become more funny get hungry um but yeah we're gonna be the 11th state to legalize recreation i can't talk illinois is supposed to become the 11th state to legalize recreational marijuana for adult use the general assembly passed the marijuana legalization bill last week um and jb pritzker has indicated he will sign it into law what i've got pulled up here is some answers to some frequently asked questions about the new cannabis legalization law. Um, consumers will be able to buy marijuana for recreational use from licensed sellers on January 1st, 2020. Um, consumers age 21 or older will be able to buy marijuana products from licensed sellers in Illinois with or without a medical marijuana card. Medical marijuana dispensaries will be the Only legal sellers of marijuana for recreational use in January of 2020. Beginning in mid-2020, Illinois will grant additional licenses to dozens of new stores, processors, cultivators, and transporters. Up to 295 stores could be in operation in Illinois by 2022, according to Marijuana Business Daily. But county and municipal governments will have the power to decide whether to allow sellers to operate in their area. Illinoisans will be able to legally possess 30 grams or about one ounce of cannabis flower bud. The legal limit for cannabis concentrate is 5 grams, and the limit for cannabis infused products such as edibles or tinctures is 500 milligrams of THC, the chemical that gets users high. Illinois visitors will be allowed to possess half of those amounts. It will be legal to smoke in one's home and on-site in some cannabis-related businesses. Use use is prohibited in any public place, such as streets or parks, in any motor vehicle, on school grounds with the exception of medical users, near someone under the age of 21, near an on-duty school bus driver, police officer, 
firefighter, or corrections officer. Any person, business, or landlord can prohibit use on private property. Illinois colleges and universities will also be allowed to ban marijuana use. <clears throat> Medical marijuana patients would be allowed to grow five plants at a time, but non-patients are not allowed to grow marijuana at home. Punishable by a civil penalty of $200 for growing up to five plants. Only Illinois... Illinois' 20 existing medical medical marijuana cultivation facilities will be licensed to grow marijuana initially. In 2020, craft growers will be able to apply for licenses to to cultivate up to 5,000 square feet. Purchasers of cannabis flour or products with less than 35% THC are slapped with a 10% sales tax. Cannabis-infused products, such as edibles, come with a 20% tax. Products with a THA concentration higher than 35% come with a 25% tax. Illinois municipalities and counties will be able able to levy additional local sales taxes. The new law also imposes 7% gross receipts tax on the sale of marijuana from cultivators to dispensaries. The cost will likely be passed on to the consumer in the form of higher prices. Um, People convicted for possession of under 30 grams of marijuana prior to legalization would have their records referred to the state's prison review board and then to Governor J.B. Pritzker for a pardon, as long as those convictions were not associated with a violent crime. If the governor grants the pardon, the Illinois Attorney General would then seek expungement. Those convicted for possession between 300 to 500 grams would have the option of petitioning for expungement themselves. Local state's attorneys could also pursue expungement for those convictions on a case-by-case basis. And lastly, Illinois already has a law in the books that makes drivers with THC blood concentration of 5 nanograms or more per milliliter guilty of driving under the influence, regardless of the whether of whether the driver is impaired, the new law creates a DUI tax for, task force led by Illinois State Police to examine best practices for roadside testing. Now that's <clears throat> from Illinois policy. Um, we don't know what else is tucked in this bill because we all know how our lawmakers work. There's been some talk, and I haven't done the research, as to there could be some some, uh, some issues with FOID cards and having to give it up. I don't know if that's fact or not, but it's definitely a discussion going around. It wouldn't be surprise me if it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to stick that in there. We do have a bunch of dirty cocksuckers running our legislature. Um. But overall, I think it's all right. If the gun thing isn't isn't involved in that, which I don't know, I'd have to do some more research. I don't really care. I'm not planning on buying any pot. It's not my ball game. But um, it'd be really crappy if you have people lose their Second Amendment right over smoking a plant or eating an edible that had pot in it. You know. So. On 2020, it'll probably smell like skunk in most places. (laughs) So that's not the only thing they did. Um, Our lovely legislature, Senate and the Congress, um, J.B. Pritzker signed into law a budget that includes pay raises for state lawmakers as Illinoisans brace for a number of new tax hikes. (laughs) Ordinary Illinois taxpayers and state lawmakers will be greeted by by opposite fiscal tales or fates July 1st. That's the date the state's gas tax will double and state lawmakers' paychecks will get fatter under J.B. Kritzker's $85 billion spending plan. A portion of that plan is a $40 billion budget proposal the governor signed June 5th, which includes a $1,600 pay raise for all state Illinois lawmakers. Illinois lawmakers will now take home a starting salary of around 70000 for a job that requires 70 days of legislative work in Springfield per year. 
These asshats are going to make $1,000 a day. What do you make a day? I think I make about a buck twenty a day. And I work my ass off. Um, Serving as an elected official can be difficult, this article reads. But rewarding oneself with a pay hike after decades of policy failure that have resulted in private sector jobs growth among the worst in the nation raises serious doubts from taxpayers. Because lawmakers introduced and passed the budget so rapidly, the general public was unaware of the pay raises until after the Illinois House and Senate had voted on them. More than 40 Republican lawmakers in the Illinois House of Representatives have signed on to a resolution opposing pay raises for lawmakers. State Rep. Tim Butler from Springfield in a Facebook post, wrote that the House that House Speaker Mike Madigan refused to call House Bill 837, which would have would have axed the raises. Illinois lawmakers already took home the fifth highest base salary in the country as of 2016, according to an Illinois Policy Institute analysis. Since 2008, state lawmakers' annual salary had been held constant at $67,836. But that doesn't include the $10,000 committee chairmanship stipends, per diems, mileage reimbursements, and other perks lawmakers receive for what is technically a part-time job. The Illinois General Assembly Retirement System, or GARS, costs taxpayers millions in annual bailouts, as it contains just 14.4 cents for every dollar needed to pay future benefits. When taking those costs into account, Illinois taxpayers already pay their lawmakers two and a half times over, once for their salaries, and then the equivalent of one and a half times salary for lawmaker pensions. In total, lawmaker compensation costs Illinois taxpayers more than $32 million a year. After leaving Springfield, 58 former state lawmakers are collecting yearly pension payouts over $100,000, with 44 having accumulated over $1 million in total pension benefits, according to GAR's documents compiled by the Institute. On average, 58 former state lawmakers collecting six-figure pensions have accumulated nearly a million and a half dollars in total pension benefits, while averaging only $126,300 in total contributions. What a flippin' joke. A part-time job, people. While an income boost awaits the lawmakers who drafted the spending proposal, the opposite is true of those expected to pay for that spending. Pritzker is posed to sign a separate $45 billion capital spending plan that would double the state's gas tax to $0.38 cents from $0.19 cents per gallon. That tax hike would lift Illinois' total tax burden on gas to, to the second highest in the nation, according to a 2018 data from the Tax Foundation. Following the July 1st effective date, the gas tax will rise with inflation for an increase of up to one cent annually. It just, it just doesn't end. That record gas, gas hike would come accompanied by a medley of other tax and fee hikes, including a $50 increase annual vehicle registration fees and a $1 tax hike on cigarette prices. Taxes on hourly or daily parking garage use would go up by 6% on top of a 9% new tax on monthly and annual parking spaces. In a state where, where residents pay one of the highest overall tax burdens in the nation, Illinois are, Illinois, Illinoisans are justified in their frustration with the state house that rewards itself while demanding more of taxpayers. So your vehicle registration fees are going to go from 100 to 150 basically. So if you have more than one car, get ready to bend over, spread them wide, and don't expect any lube. You smoke cigarettes, your, your pack of smokes that, if you're lucky, cost you... Six and a half dollars, and it cost you almost eight now. If you're lucky, I smoke the cheap ones. Looks like I'll be going elsewhere to get my smokes or just fucking quit. Probably should just quit. 
not only that, but they're wanting to tax online streaming services and a whole host of other things. And I did, my question is, when is enough enough? You know, I don't mind paying some taxes. We need to have some things, some basic things. It's not the government's job to bail everybody out of everything and it keeps spending incessantly. It just irritates me. I love the small town that I live in. I, I just hate that it's in Illinois. My family's here. My roots are here. And I don't know. I want to stay and fight, but man, part of me is wanting to get the fuck out of here. Real quick. It's insane. I mean, if you're... I have two vehicles. I'm a lucky guy. I work hard. Um, so... My $200 bill will be a lot more than it is now. What about a, a family with, you know, you know, three, four, five cars? Insanity. And then last week, and I saw last week that, you know, if you have an electric car, it could be almost $1,000 a year to have that son of a bitch registered. So much for Democrats being green. I don't know, man. Like I said, this toilet's going down. This town, this the state is going down the shitter real quick. It's a sad state of affairs. What are we going to do about it? As citizenry, I know that all the seats are up for grabs in 2020, but what are we going to do in the meantime? How do we send them a message that enough is enough? It's just quite irritating to see the, 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 the disregard for everything, the hardworking people. You know, the people of downstate Illinois, we don't have a voice. I think we talked a little bit, a little bit last week about, you know, going to somewhat of a electoral college type, maybe not electoral college, but you know, each state gets two senators. Why can't each County get, you know, their own represent representation instead of having districts. Your district should be your County. You know, we'd have to do the, the math and the numbers on how many counties there are and how many you know, senators we get out of each county or representatives for the house. But we just don't have adequate representation in our state legislature. And it's insane. I mean, we're going to, there are six casinos. We have the potential of opening up. One of them is possibly going to be in Danville, Illinois, which if you're familiar with Danville, used to be a very thriving, awesome community. It's not so much now. All the manufacturing jobs, not all of them, but a, a good chunk of what there used to be there, are no longer there. It's turned into a crap place to be. You don't want to go to a lot of parts of town. On the local news, I mean, you're not. it's sad that you're not surprised to hear about a shooting in Danville. Thank God that the uh, the Foyd card bill failed, though. And it's going to be tough for them to nail that down. Who knows what the hell they'll come up with next. But um, at the end of Friday's session or Saturday's session, whatever it was, anything from now on has to be a supermajority. And it looked like that bill was pretty close as far as the uh, numbers. The opposition was, I think it was in like, within nine or ten votes so that's a positive I think they should get rid of the Floyd card altogether but you know that's going to be a, a tough task given the uh, crazy lunatic left leaning house and senate and executive branch of our government right now I'm thankful that I live in a county that was one of the well, was the first in Illinois to become a gun sanctuary whether that's symbolic or not, I think we have a good sheriff and that he will uh, have our backs, I hope. Because he is 
it's his jurisdiction. The other people, I don't know. He he has control. Um, and I think that this is a very gun heavy county. It's a big county with a, a small population, but we're fierce. Um, it's a good place to live. I almost wish Andy Indiana would suck us over. Okay, Iroquois County, you can be part of Indiana now. I would love that. So yeah, um, they passed. We talked about last week. Didn't mean to hit that, but it's apropos. Um, I've got a story here about an update on the abortion that uh, went through last week. Um, if you didn't listen last week, they JB's making good on his uh, promise to make Illinois the most progressive state when it comes to abortion. Reproductive health rights, as the retarded people call them. Um, and they use these arguments that are insane. Rape and incest. I mean, everybody can agree that rape and incest are horrible, horrible things. I don't care where you stand on the side, but they're bad. But they use that to justify every other abortion. It's like 1.9% of abortions come from rape or incest. And those are horrible, horrible things. And I think pedophiles and rapists, if they are, if they're given a fair trial and they're convicted that they should just be shot right between the eyes. And then we don't have to have that problem anymore with that person. Sooner or later, it'll stop. Extreme as it may sound, that's the way I feel about it. Um, but anyway, um, we have a member of the Catholic Church here in Illinois that decided to do something good. Illinois Catholic Bishop bars pro-abortion lawmakers from receiving Holy Communion in accord, in accord with Canon 915 of the Code of Canon Law. One prominent Catholic bishop has put defense of faith over popularity by being by barring pro-abortion politicians in his state from receiving the Sacrament of Holy Communion. According to LifeSite News, Bishop Thomas John Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, recently asked all Catholic politicians who helped pass Senate Bill 25, a.k.a. the Reproductive Health Act, to refrain from receiving Holy Communion in the Catholic Church until they repent for, of their sin through the Sacrament of Confession. The bill passed the state Senate by a 34-20 to 20 vote and essentially guarantees that the state of Illinois will enshrine abortion rights into law should Roe v. Wade be overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. It even expressly states that fertilized egg, embryo, and fetus does not have independent rights. Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker has already promised to sign the bill into law. Paprocki especially forbid priests in his diocese from giving communion to both Senate President and Speaker of the House. In accord with not, Canon 915, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I am not a Catholic, um, of the Code of Canon Law, Illinois Senate President John Cullerton and Speaker of the House Michael J. Madigan, who facilitated the passage of the Act Concerning Abortion of 2017, as well as the Reproductive Health Act of 2019, are not to be admitted to Holy Communion in the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois because they have obstinately persisted in promoting the abominable crime and very grave sin of abortion, as evidenced by the influence they exerted in their leadership roles and their repeated votes and obdurate public support for abortion rights over an extended period of time, Paprocki wrote in a statement. These persons may be readmitted to Holy Communion only after they have truly repented these grave sins and furthermore have made suitable reparation for damages and scandal, or at least have seriously promised to do so as determined in my judgment or in the judgment of their diocesan bishop in, cons in consultation with me or my successor. 
Cullerton and Madigan were the only two lawmakers that Paprocki specifically named in his edict, though he did go on to say the rules extend to other Catholic lawmakers that work to pass the bill. I declare that the Catholic legislators of the Illinois General Assembly who have cooperated in evil and committed grave sin by voting for any legislation that promotes abortion are not present themselves to receive Holy Communion without first being reconciled to Christ and the Church in accord with Canon 916 of the Code of Canon Law. One of the greatest scandals in the U.S. Catholic Church since the 1960s has been the hierarchy's unwillingness to bar pro-abortion politicians from receiving Holy Communion. This prominent list includes Nancy Pelosi, our awful state U.S. state senator, not U.S. state, our senator from Chicago, Dick Durbin, the entire Kennedy family, and many others. Fortunately, the American church hierarchy began correcting course in 2017 by electing Kansas City Archbishop Joseph Nauman to head the U.S. Bishops Committee on Pro-Life Activities. Nauman expressly stated that bishops should bar such politicians from receiving Holy Communion. I don't know about you all, but I think if Mike Madigan stepped in any church, it would probably light on fire because he is definitely an incarnate of Satan. What a corrupt, crappy, vile... I mean, if you want to describe him as the Grinch, it would fit perfectly. He's just an awful, awful being. Done more harm to this state than any other politician in the history of it, I would argue. I hope that the uh, federal investigations that he's under conclude quickly and find him guilty and he is removed. That would be one of the best things to ever happen. So that's your Illinois news. Um, Get ready to bend over and take it hard. You're not getting any lube. Sorry for our luck. All right, I'm not going to do a traditional V3 because Vox has been in the news. So I'm going to play our little Vox intro and we will get down to it. God, that's funny shit. Okay, so we routinely have a segment on the show called V3. I just played our intro music from it. Um, If you're not familiar, V3 is Vice, Vox, and then the third part is everything else that is encompassing leftist propaganda. So the third V is vaginal secretions. I know, Volker. Shame on you, Sasquatch. They're giant bitches, and this week the giant bitches are Vox. Namely, Carlos Maza. He does the uh, Strike Force, and we play many of his videos. And apparently we're not the only ones, and I didn't know it till recently, because I don't watch a lot of uh, videos on YouTube or whatever. But we do, we are fans of Steven Crowder, and apparently he has been doing Vox video rebuttals. And they're awesome. I don't know if they're as awesome as ours, but they probably are better. But he also has a budget. (laughs) We usually fly by the seat of our pants here. Um, Carlos Maza. um, He's been very vocal on Twitter and talking to YouTube, trying to get Crowder deplatformed for caller for Crowder you know her, being a he, let me explain Steven Crowder to you if you're not familiar um he does his own thing he his main audience I think is you know 
college students, younger people. He goes, one of his big things that he does is he does, he goes to college campuses, puts on shows, but this big thing is the uh, change my mind things that he does. He'll do, he'll put a banner, he'll sit at a table and it'll say something that triggers these kids, you know, he wants to debate them, he wants to talk to them, he's trying to change minds, give people the actual empirical data on certain things like, you know, guns, um, they're funny, they're good people. Um, we actually went to Champagne when they did the Change My Mind section, uh, session down there. It was a good time. Um, but that's what Steven Crowder does. He's more of a, his show on, it was CRTV, I think. He's, it's, it's CRT and the Blaze merged, which is yuck, but I just don't like Glenn Beck for a lack of a better explanation. Um... He's more of like a late night talk show. It's it's comedic. It's funny. He's a funny guy. He's a comedian. But he gives you information that is correct and rebuts what Vox is, which is nothing more than a propaganda machine. In fact, Vox fancies themselves as a literacy tool. I don't understand that at all. I mean, it makes sense. They're propaganda, but it's not literacy. It's illiteracy. You are very much biased, and you have a horrible agenda. is to make people stupor. <laughs> you have a horrible agenda, which is to make people dumber. I didn't know this till recently. And it doesn't surprise me, but NBC recently gave Vox $200 million. If you've, you've listened to their videos, but if you've actually watched them, it's ridiculous that anybody watches them. But they have a conglomerate behind them now. And they're lobbying another conglomerate to ban somebody. So... I was scrolling around and I got lucky because I like to listen to Tucker Carlson talk. You know, he's on Fox. Everybody's biased. There's no such thing as unbiased anything on cable news. Even on the network news at night, even on the local news, everybody's got a bias. It'd be awesome if their bias was the truth, but there are very few actual journalists left on this planet. I don't claim to be one. I have my opinion and I have a bullshit meter and that's what I go with. Truth, logic, and common sense, as Uncle Ted Nugent says. Um, but anyway, we'll get some more nuts and bolts of the story here from Tucker, so more of your listening pleasure on the way. Steven Crowder is a conservative comedian who makes videos on YouTube. He's pretty popular. He's got close to 4 million subscribers and tens of millions of viewers. His stuff isn't for everyone, but so? If you don't like his videos, watch Colbert. It's a free country, or it used to be. The press is working to change that. A few days ago, a writer at Vox.com demanded that YouTube ban Steven Crowder. Why? For the crime of insulting him. Amazingly, many in the Washington press corps agreed. You shouldn't be allowed to mock talentless Vox writers, they said. <laughs> Apparently, it's a new addition to the First Amendment. Turns out the Vox writer in question is hardly a sympathetic figure. Hardly. He's got a long history of leveling racist attacks online. He's called for physically assaulting people he disagrees with politically, even as he whines about being oppressed himself. He is, in other words, a classic archetype on the left. He's a fascist posing as a victim. No sensible adult would take him seriously. And yet YouTube is obeying his commands. The company announced it will demonetize Steven Crowder's YouTube channel, killing his business. They did this even though in a statement they admitted that Crowder had broken no rules. Vox amazingly, meanwhile, released a series of statements demanding that YouTube censor Crowder entirely, not just demonetize him, but bounce him off. So much for freedom of the press. The real question, though, for the rest of us is, why is this allowed to continue? Let's stop pretending. Platforms like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, these are the modern public square, obviously. Congress has acknowledged them as such, 
Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act gives tech companies special immunity from being sued for defamation or fraud, immunity that we don't have on this channel, for example. And the purpose of this is to allow, quote, true diversity of political discourse. It's a high-minded cause. The effect is immunity, and that immunity is worth tens of billions of dollars. It's one of the reasons the owners of Twitter and Facebook and Google are so rich. You guaranteed that to them through your representatives in the Congress. And yet, in return, these tech companies violate the terms of the deal every minute of every day. They're not open forums. They're ongoing exercises in control and censorship. The question is, how long will the rest of us stand for this? Yep. How long will the rest of us stand for this? Um, there's a reason that the Orphans of the American Dream podcast is not on YouTube. It would be real easy to throw a logo up there and throw the audio on there, but I, I don't want anything to do with it. Part of that was because at some point we'd like to do videos and go live with the podcast so you can watch us, but to hell with YouTube. To hell with Google, who owns them. It's, it's insane. YouTube's a good tool. I mean, I pull videos sometimes for the sound bites here um and you go down the rabbit hole it can be fun but you know these big tech companies are by and large raging leftists not to say they don't have good people working for them people with a conscious with a soul but by and large they're run by leftists and the left doesn't want free speech. This little asshole, Carlos Maza, wanted to deplatform him completely. He wanted him to be the next Alex Jones because he made fun of him. The pussification of America is something that George Carlin said back in the day. And he's right. And that was, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, somewhere in there. One of my favorite standbacks. I think it was in the mid to late nineties. But the pussification of America. You can't stand to get made fun of. I would hate for I mean I would love for Carlos Maza to see to listen to hear what we have to say about him. And and Crowder didn't do anything but make jokes. He called him a lispy queer, which he is lispy and he is a gay man. He calls himself a queer. Fine. Who cares? Words are words. You don't like it. Do a better job with your videos. Don't lie. Don't be a propagandist. Tell the truth. But you can't do that because you have an agenda. And your, your agenda is to get rid of anything conservative, libertarian, free market, anything. You want socialism. You want authoritarian authoritarianism. Socialism is uh, communism without the guns, without the control. But it, it always leads to it. It just makes me sick that weak people who are in the minority, mind you, most people just want to go to work, come home, hang out with their family, maybe have a few beers, watch a little TV, and I have to worry about all the crazy crap that's going on. The left is a, is a, is a very vocal minority, these far leftist crazy people. That's why we advocate for a person, if we had to vote for a Democrat, we'd probably vote for Tulsi Gabbard. I know I would. I don't want to vote for a Democrat, but she at least is an old school Democrat. Democrat, And I think you could have a conversation with her, and it would be reasonable. Probably wouldn't agree with her on everything, but we need to get back to that. We need to be able to have conversations with each other. E in these social media outlets, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, they're not helping anything. They are what they are. They shouldn't be used as this, this mass crazy thing. I, I, 
I remember when Facebook came out, you had to have a .edu email to even have it. You had to be a college student. Fine, whatever. And then everybody else was let in and mom and grandma and whatever. And it's become what it is. But I, I have some friends that I don't agree with on a lot on politics, but we're still able to have a civil conversation. And, and it's sad that that's the minority of conversations that happen on social media. We are, a, we are, we're, we're the greatest country in the world. We should be able to have a civilized conversation and debate. Here's what I think. Not the name calling, the whatever. You know, name calling's fun. Like, we call Tommy the Comrade. He's not a communist. But he's a little, he has a little bit different of a thought process. And he's never had a nickname. So we just kind of gave him the nickname Tommy Tommy. And it's funny, it's stuck. But he's not a comrade. He served our country. He's a bad motherfucker. But we joke. It's a joke. We make fun of each other because we're friends. We give each other shit because we're friends. You know, one of the, my big things is um, I'm not like an antisocial person at all. I can go talk to anybody, but I prefer not to. You know? One of the ways I show people that I like them is I give them a ration of shit. If I ignore you, that doesn't mean I hate you, but I don't really, you know, I'm not going to invest much time with you. So, and part of that is I just, sometimes I don't care to talk to people. But if you come talk to me, I'll definitely talk to you. It's not a big deal. But back to the the story at hand. I went on a rant there and I felt, felt it felt good. We need to get back to uh, talking to each other. But anyway, this pussy, Carlos Maza, needs to grow the hell up and quit taking things so personally. You should be more mad. See, that's the thing. He's not mad that Steven Crowder completely rebutted his entire thought process and didn't agree and showed facts and did what he does. Steven Crowder is a beyond prepared person when it comes to a debate. This is what the left does. They call racist. They call homophobic. They call you homophobic. They call you a xenophobe. They call you whatever phobe you want to be racist, this, that, the other thing. What he should be mad at is if he truly believes in what he's saying, he should be mad at Crowder and he should be debating him. Like, no, this is right, blah, blah, blah. But they don't do that because they know they're wrong because it's pure propaganda. They can't argue fact. They can't argue common sense because they don't have any. They can't argue with any conviction or have any sense of a backbone because they're cowards. We need to stand up to these cowards because your average daily American are strong-willed, hard-working, fun-loving, caring people. I just can't, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Thank God Steven Crowder is a smart person and YouTube was a monetary source. Same thing with Alex Jones. It was a monetary source, but it's not their sole income. Alex Jones is syndicated on hundreds of radio stations. He has his website. He has his store. Um, Steven Crowder has his mug club where if you pay the $100 a year or what is it, like 60 or 59 for students in military, they send you a cool coffee mug and then you get every bit of content on demand whenever you want it. Same thing with like the Daily Wire. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. We need to band together. If you're a common sense person, just because you don't like what somebody says doesn't mean you get to ban them. That's a totalitarian, authoritarian thing. They don't want freedom of speech. They don't want freedom of thought. What they say goes and nothing else matters. We need to give them the big middle finger and a stone cold stunner and be done with it. I mean that figuratively, but also I like giving stone cold stunners. So 
So the last thing I want to talk about here, um, some good news happened. Um, and it goes hand in hand here with the big tech and the YouTube and whatever, because Google's involved. Um, the Washington times had a story on June 4th and it is some good news. It's what we've kind of been calling for with all, you know, going back to when Alex Jones was completely deplatformed. Um, big tech unites Democrats, Republicans, and behind antitrust, whatever, that's a stupid headline. Anyway, the Washington Times, they did the story. Big tech unites Democrats, Republicans behind antitrust crackdown. The Justice Department House Judiciary Committee are looking into monopoly concerns. When lawmakers ideologically divided as Republican Senator Josh Hawley and Democratic Senator Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren agree that your industry has become too powerful, you could be in trouble, and that's the problem facing big tech. The House Judiciary Committee is drawing support from both sides of the aisle after announcing Monday that it planned to investigate the market power held by giant tech platforms which coincided with reports that the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commission would pursue their own probes. The growing chorus of concerns about the muscle of the top tech companies, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, extends to Silicon Valley, said Mitch Stoltz, senior staff attorney at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I'm here in San Francisco. There's nary a person who doesn't think there are problems and that they are at least in part problems of monopoly. I appreciate wholeheartedly the use of the word nary. <laughs> um, not entirely. This is not the cause nor the solution to all the problems with the Internet today, but it is a factor. Everyone here recognizes that, including some from Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Um... The move to examine the tech companies for suspected antitrust violations come as a pivot from four decades of relative calm on the antitrust front. The last company to be broken up by the federal government was Bell Telephone in 1982. In Europe, however, Google has been slapped with billions of dollars in fines. Most recently, a $1.7 billion fine in March for antitrust violations stemming from its online advertising practices which the company has appealed. Similar concerns are growing in Congress where alarms about privacy, ideological bias, and anti-competitive practices are being sounded on the right and the left and peeling off some of the tech, country, tech industry's political allies. President Trump has raised antitrust concerns about the U.S. tech industry. So has one of his big, big, biggest critics, Elizabeth Warren, who is seeking the 2020 presidential nod. She posted a billboard Monday in New York City that said, quote, break up big tech. Um, Holly, a Missouri Republican, said a Justice Department investigation was big news and overdue. Um, just scrolling here. There was a... I don't care what Feinstein says. It was uh, Tim Cook from Apple. I had something to say about it. I think I scrolled past it, so bear with me, orphans. Oh, here it is. Um, if you look at any kind of measure... That's not it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I skipped that paragraph. Uh, tech stocks rebounded, rebounded after a drop Monday following the House Judiciary Committee's announcement. The big four tech companies were quiet on the antitrust investigations with the exception of Apple CEO Tim Cook, who denied his company was a monopoly. Quote, if you look at any kind of measure about is Apple a monopoly or not, I don't think anybody reasonable is going to come to the conclusion that Apple is a monopoly. Yeah, tell that to Gab. 
and some of these other apps that you don't let have, you don't let them be on your app store. Tell them, tell them you're not, you're not a monopoly and that you don't collude with Google and all these other things because it was a coordinated attack when you guys deplatformed Alex Jones. It wasn't just Apple pulling the podcast. It was YouTube. It was Facebook. It was, uh, there's all sorts of them. I think there were like 13 or so places that all did it at the same damn time. So I don't want to hear any crap about you not being a monopoly. And those places, like Tucker said, they've become the public square. I mean, that's where people go to communicate. It's sad that they do. They should be going, you know, up to the bar or out to supper or wherever. You go sit around the family dinner table. You should be able to talk civilly to each other. Um, and, and part of the, the reason people are shitty online is because they're hiding behind a phone or a keyboard. You know, if you, if you got to stare somebody in the eyes and talk to them, you're going to, you're going to talk with a little more tact, be a little more nice because you're human. The, the phones and the computers, they dehumanize us. I'm guilty of it. You hear me rant and rave on here, but I mean... I would probably say most of what I'm saying to whoever, like, what's Carlos Maza? I'd probably, you know, tell me suck to his face. I'm not, I don't, I'm not intimidated by a lot of things. I don't like snakes and I don't like heights. So if you have me on a ladder and throw a snake at me, I might shit my pants. But yeah, this is, this is big news. Um, the investigations, you know, who knows how long they could go. It's Congress. The wheels of our government don't move very quickly, but at least this is a step in the right direction and it's a good step. Well, guys, I just passed an hour. I didn't know if I was going to be able to go 30 minutes. So, um, hopefully next week, um, Tommy and Justin will be back and, we will have a more of a discussion than just me blabbing, flapping my gums at you. Um, if you guys like this, let us know. Um, you know, like any business, um, we're, we look at the future and what we want to build it to. Um, we're we're going to keep, I think regardless of anything else, we're going to keep our you know, triad podcast, but Justin and Tommy have other interests. They have been talking if we do or are able to expand at some point to doing their own podcast without me. And I'm okay with that. Um, my plan would, I would love to do like a live show on Friday evenings, um, by myself as kind of a week in review with the news and the politics and the, the horse cockery that goes on. Um, and I'll give you a, a heads up of what I think the title should be. And let us know if you like it or not on the social medias. Um, the Just Sash Show. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, be diligent. Don't buy the propaganda. Use your gut. Um, get rid of the apathy. Um the apathy is what got us J.B. Pritzker, Michael Madigan, and all the rest of the stupid mother effers that are in Springfield that are eroding our rights and raping us with taxes. Um, so be diligent. Um, keep Tommy and Justin and their families in your thoughts. If you pray, um, send them some good vibes. They sure could use them. Like I said, like I say every week, go to the website. It's under construction right now. I think the main page is just the podcast player. Um, Justin's retool on the website. We're going to do a little bit of rebranding. But yeah, love each other. Um, Go to the website to get to the, the episode or whatever podcast app. Be diligent. Get rid of the apathy. That is the biggest disease. Peace, bitches.
拜。